Uh, this is an education and uh, insight uh, update learning kind of thing of business cycles and grains, but it's also applicable to commodities, financial markets, the economy. And then some of these cyclical patterns can actually be found not only in fundamental data, but like for the grains, it can cross over into uh, patterns in temperature, precipitation, crops, weather, droughts, glorious crops, excellent weather, things like that, okay? So let's begin, and by the way, this is February 16th and I'm Rich Positive Critical Point. Let's begin with the larger pattern that takes a decade. And it's, it's kind of a little less, a little more than a decade. And the modeling of prices, I call it an LT3 these days. In the past, it was called a nine-year business cycle with a definition of eight to 13 years, meaning you find the, the lowest price of the decade, you'll probably find the market moved up some and then down and maybe down for a long time, a brief amount of time, but it probably put another low price in a bottom eight to 13 years later. Okay, and we find this in fundamental data, we find it in economic data, but the interesting thing is we find it in nature, we find it in crop production, okay? So, um, looking at that, this pattern on the economic side is probably the juggler business cycle. I think it works better than ever for the economy, and uh, I think the stock market is more in line with the economy and more in line with that pattern than ever, all right? So, we know it also works on that supply and demand issue, but also it can work in, in nature. All right, so let's talk about this decade pattern. What I've learned since the year 1800, and I actually have corn prices back to 1720, and I've used wheat prices all the way back to the years 1200s uh, as a pale hill kind of grain pattern, and uh, it's fascinating. I can find the super cycles continue to work from 1200s today, and I can find evidence going hundreds of years back supporting the idea of this decade pattern, but most of the evidence is from 1800 to now, and that's the price performance I've uh, done off of that pattern. And what I've learned is when that pattern bottoms, we get a boom cycle, we get a bull market, and corn prices since 1800 to now on a decade basis, decade after decade after decade, corn prices went up one decade at 50, a little more than 50%. Another decade, a little more than 80%. And all the other decades, all the way to now, prices went up more than 100% to maybe more than 400%. And if you put it all on an average, it averaged in the high 100% area. So... In 2016, I said we've put in a decade bottom for corn. And I think I said the same for wheat. I think I said soybeans might delay a few years, and they did. Okay. And the market did have a problem when it went lower still, a little weird, flaky area. And that was off the 2020 shutdown of our economy. So that under understandably why it's weird. But I had said from 2016, prices may work higher into 2021 to 2024 and may speed up along the way, but it's also possible they're not even bullish until 2021 to 2024, but I assumed it would start up a little sooner. And it did, started up from 2020. And I said, but even though it may wait to 2021 to 2024, or it's into 20, 
2021 to 2024. It could be one of the most important bull markets of the decade. And I warned commercial companies of this. I warned farmers. I warned various brokers, dealers, investors, speculators, and traded this myself. And it was a wonderful bull run, okay? And in 2022, the corn market was up about 166%. Uh, I didn't try to be precise. I just drew a line on the chart, clicked a button, and that's what it came up with. And that's for futures. Cash could be a little bit different price. But the point is, it repeated history. There's nothing wrong with using this business cycle. Still there today, even though the economy has changed, markets has changed, especially the technology and markets and how traders wheel and deal. In the end, this is how it worked for the economy in grains relative to price. So we got the bull market. Now, I had hoped we would get a crop problem by 2023, 2024, because we did not see it in 2021, 2022. Problem is, this market has now dropped about 50%. That's what you would expect from the bear market off that decade pattern. 50% to even 80 or 90% and even to 115% down. How, how could that be? <laughs> that implies minus price. No, you got to remember I'm anchoring this to a price bottom. So if corn bottomed at 80 cents and it went to $4 a bushel, it might come back to 75. That's going to be a minus number. That's going to be minus 100 and something percent for that business cycle on that price structure, but it did not go to zero or lower. So keep that in mind. That's how that works. All right. So there could be much more downside in this according to the business cycle. However, this is a bit unusual to be down this much this fast. Um, not necessarily because uh, right after a bull market, but if you look at it, the next bottom probably is not showing up to 2026 to maybe even as late as 2030, 2031. So am I telling you prices are going down all the way to then? No. It's probably we're going to establish a floor price soon. We'll have rebounds throughout the remainder of this decade as well as drops. And by the end of this decade, yes, we may see corn at $4 to $3.50 or something like that. Okay? Just depends on the production, the overall supply demand. It's just a guideline. So we can have significant bull markets in coming years. Okay? Still. And 2024 is still a year weather-wise using these patterns that we can still have a crop problem. Okay? So that's the business cycle of price. We've seen the top, and I, uh, I held out a little too long on this weather stuff. I mean, I called that top. I was bearish, but then I was expecting we'll see a rebound because the, there's time for a crap problem. We haven't seen it yet. It hasn't really worked. And in 2008, I forecast a record high price for corn prices well in advance. Started forecasting it um, in the early 2000s, preparing for it. And in December 2005, I said it's liftoff time. This may be a rocket, and this may not, but I said we're due for a record high price no later in 2008. And I got it. That was that decade bull market. History repeated. It worked for me. The model was right. The interesting thing is I thought there'd also be a crop problem. It wasn't. It was pure demand and one of the very rare moments in the history of this country that you could have demand that strong and that's that much speculation and hoarding and fear over higher prices. It was primarily driven by China and it was an unknown. It was too new. So the market overreacted and put prices up. But it made my forecast right. The story was a little bit different than I thought. 
didn't matter. Uh, the price story repeated. The forecast was right. I then said, gee, there ought to still been a crop problem here. So why not have it a few years later? And so in 2010, I started looking for a crop problem. And I was right. We started losing yield. 2011, we lost more yield. And 2012, we got the coup de grace. We got the 2012 drought. And I was right. It completed the weather story. And we slammed weather prices up. And I correctly forecast within a couple of cents the price high and forecasted six months in advance. All right. We got another bull run. Okay, and it was from a delayed cyclical weather problem that didn't quite line up with 2008, yet we were right on both counts, okay? So, where are we today without this weather? Well, I just explained this business cycle in the sense of prices, okay? And I believe if we're going to get a crop problem this year, maybe it can soar all the way back to near that 22 high, maybe even go higher, maybe it can go to record high, but I don't think so. I think we're rebuilding supplies around the world. We're back to planning from hedgerow to hedgerow. It's probably gonna limit the upside so that a serious crop problem won't take the price up as high as some would like or desire, okay? Um, but we should still have a bull market. And this market could be that crazy where we slammed it up for a couple of years, we slammed it down for a couple of years, and then we gotta slam it up at least for a few months and it could be a big slam up. It could still work, all right? And then we'll just put it down again because probably that decade business cycle is down. But there could be some other surprises coming down the road. So let's flip from talking prices and the economy, because economy using this decade pattern can grow for seven to 12 years. And then we have a one to three year recession. Well, the stock market taps in that very well. So the stock market can go up seven to 12 years, but the grain markets can only go up one to three years, maybe five years tops, and they don't go up nonstop. It could be very jagged, sloppy along the way, but very exciting. And you step back and look at it, it goes up five years. If you run an average since 1800, it goes up for about five years, but that's an average. There were some years only went up one year. So, unfortunately, I wished I'd, I'd been, was bearish on that 22 top. I called it, I called the 2021 top. Uh, some of those, uh, one of those top was like a matter of hours at the top. So proud of that. But I wasn't bearish enough off that 22 top. I said, let's be bearish, but let's look, be looking for a rebound. And we haven't got that weather story. Is it still coming? So, let's talk about weather. If we take that same decade pattern, I can find going back to year 1866, using USDA data, I can find how you can come up with a decade pattern of, yep, yield went up and up and up, but there was a lot of twists and turns and sometimes violent drops in yield only to slam right back up to record high. And then that cycle turned over and we sometimes got just a small drop in yield, but for the decade definition, I'm thinking more like 10 to 30% down and corn yield, okay? And the, um, but there's overlap. There's smaller patterns, okay? So what are those smaller patterns? Uh, because that decade pattern is due to end this year. We should be down 10 to 30%. I'm now allowing just 5% and thinking probably no more than 15%. I don't think it's gonna be that big deal this time around but it could be far as something more serious. 
I'm also concerned, did we time this correctly? Something is wrong, okay? But it may still work. There's still time for it. We may have to retime it. What would mean retiming? Well, you can break this decade pattern into about a half a decade pattern, five to seven years. And people discovered decades ago that there's a pattern in precipitation of five to seven years and that it did correlate to a drop in crop production five to seven years. They did discover famines around the world occurring five to seven years. Someone, a friend one time said, sounds like the biblical problem, uh, the famine, okay? I'm not so sure that works as well as it used to, but it's still there in temperature and precipitation and yield. The interesting thing is 20% of the time we see a clear five to seven year pattern, meaning it starts from year one and yield moves up for three or four or five years. And by five to six, seven years later, it's down, but it was up for quite a while. It didn't fluctuate every other year or anything. It was just seriously moving up and then bam, it dropped and then it started over. But that nice, crisp, clean pattern occurs 20% of the time. What's the other 80%? What it is, is it drops down to a third level or ranking of fluctuation of yield and production, temperature and precipitation, and that is a three to four year cycle. Think of it as year number one, we bottom in yield for corn. Yield number two, yield is up. Year number three, yield is down. Now, you learn by year number four, it's up. So you go back to year number three and call that number one and you start over that pattern. And that's a little bit different how most people use cycles or specifically time cycles if you want to look, look this up and learn how to do it on your own. Okay. And remember, it's three to four. So it makes it difficult for us to really time with any precision of when we're going to have a crop problem because we might say, well, it's either this year or next, but at least we know it's not any later if it's going to do that 80% time, okay? Now, on that three to four year cycle or what I call uh, these days, especially in prices, an LT3, and we can find in prices. So we know there's a connection of weather to production, yield, and also connection to the economics of corn. But it turns out the way you and I behave and think and run our businesses, we do the same thing, all right? We throttle up business for a year or two, we throttle it down for a year or two, and we start over again, all right? And this actually relates on the economic side to a kitchen business. I can like call it a throttle up, throttle down process during the growth of a decade, and then the recession normally is so brief that you just get one downturn of that three to four to coincide with it at the same time. So in yield, the, uh, this um, three to four year or LT3s um, would relate to maybe only a half a percent down in yield, one or two, three, but it could dip up into five, seven percent, get a little crazy. It starts crossing over into the more important patterns. How does this relate to that five to seven? And I just said that only occurs 20%. How does it relate to that in terms of the 80%? What you can get is maybe you get a three to four year pattern, then you add another three to four year pattern and because you're starting it at, at the same time at the end of the other one, it will add up to five to seven years. But what it is is you see yield move up, pull down a little, move up yet again, 
and then it moves down even more into that five to seven year pattern. So if you think about it, it's all it is is the five to seven just skipped one of those three to four year patterns for some reason, and sometimes it's very difficult to explain, even in prices and yield. But the point is it builds into that five to seven year pattern. Well, it turns out the five to seven year pattern builds into that eight to 13 or the nine year or LT1, okay? And you could also just look at the three to four year patterns and build a sequence of about four or five or six of those three to four year patterns to build into that bigger pattern of up and down. So what I'm thinking is the three to four year in yield and production, at least yield, probably just a fraction of a reduction to maybe getting carried away around 5%. When you go to that LT2 or five to seven year pattern, the one that might be, used to be linked to famines and still can be linked to precipitation. We still see it. What I find out is that you're really probably looking a little more closer to 5% to maybe 15%, but you can get into some weird and rare times of down 20 or 30% and go back and look at 1988, and that's one of those patterns. Guess what? One of those patterns is due I think around 2026 to 2027. So if for some reason this year we don't get a crop problem, I got for the first time looking back at the history of this country and as well as history over in Europe going even further back, I got issues and problems. It'll be the first time it didn't work. We'll have to retime, reset. But I think probably what I'm gonna do is say, we're gonna start looking for a problem 2026, 2027. Even if we get a crop problem this year, and it doesn't matter if it was small, doesn't matter if it's devastating, I'm probably gonna look for a problem in 2026, 2027. And even though the statistics would suggest it's not that big a deal compared to what was due now, okay, we have evidence it can be just as important. We might be 30% down in yield in 2026, 2027, okay? So that's how I rank the three most important fluctuations in temperature. And even though I didn't talk studies and production statistics, the patterns are there. But the production can change more because we can change acreage, and acreage doesn't have to fluctuate all that much. And when it does, it doesn't have to stay with these patterns quite as well. It's there, but it's a little more difficult uh, to forecast, to predict, and to follow. And combine that with yield, of course, you're going to get your production. And the interesting thing is production is pretty easy to do on the pattern side and the amount of time, but a little more difficult to do on the percent change in production. You can get a little more volatile, crazy. You can also get it more quiet. You can have a devastating down move in yield, but you planted so much it took it away so you don't see it in production. So you get in those issues. It really doesn't matter. It's still valuable information on the production side. And of course, you need that to convert it over into the impact of prices. So we're due for this fluctuation production. And believe it or not, you can find these patterns in uh, ending stocks, uh, uh, stocks in the sense of what's in the bin, things like that. Okay. So we're due for a setback. But my concerns are, I think in 2025, it's probably going to be a good crop. So if we don't get this in 2024, I can understand why these markets are gonna be really sluggish, bearish for quite some time, and then we still get that problem. And I can come up with problems a little later than 2026, 2027. Now, the interesting thing is there's something called the Gleisberg cycle that people talk about 
that they've done it. If you look at the sunspots, it's like a 70, 90 year cycle. I wouldn't be surprised it's already was seen in 2012 that related to another type of cycle I use in my model. It's super cycles where we're looking for really bad droughts and we got it, okay? And I correctly forecast, it worked, it was fantastic. Even though I had my doubts at the last minute and thought I was gonna be a fool, it came through and worked, okay? But people using Gleisberg actually don't look at the solar sunspots that was discovered there, but the, what they discovered in tree rings, they could narrow that down where they think they can be more precise. And some of them are calling for a problem 2025 plus or minus one or two years. So that's 2023 to 2027. Well, I just said there could be an event in 2026 to 2027. It's possible the Gleisberg could interfere now and we don't really get that cyclical crop problem, give us some issues I haven't seen. And I've been working with this real time, real life since 1980. I've back tested this back to 1866 and then price wise back into the 1700s and even wheat prices farther back, okay? So uh, what we could be looking at is the Gleisberg interferes, holds it back or does not, or it makes even worse here this year, and then shows up, yeah, again, maybe in 2026, 2027, but maybe that's the worst one. Are we setting up something like 1988, just out of the blue on its own and did way more damage than normally would expect? Because I'm not expecting much damage in 2026, 2027, but the doors open, it could be. So if not this year, we got to start over in a few years, leave the door open, see what we get. And I think for as low as these prices are now, this is ridiculous to have these low on a long-term basis and decade basis. And I think it's starting to add up economically, yet there's no reason for them to put up prices. So it can still go lower yet. It also could just stall out for a very long time. And if we don't get the crop problem, you can bet it's gonna stall out for a very long time but we could still get a spike up later. And the interesting thing is we can use these patterns. We find these same patterns in temperature in terms of how warm it's gonna get or cool. And we find these patterns in precipitation, how dry it will get or how wet it will get, okay? And we are always stuck with little ranges, at least, when we don't know the exact year. We just know we're moving into a period of time that we have to look for something to take the data the other way, supply demand the other way, and prices the other way, okay? So I just thought I'd give you a nice little education because this is something you can learn to do on your own yield. Just go to usda.gov and search for yield. They go back to 1866, plot it out on a chart, start counting those zigzags, put numbers on them. I think you're gonna come up with the same conclusion I did years ago and I was right for the bull move on price, but I'm not yet right on this crop problem. And I am concerned it isn't gonna work. Something else is going on here, but I will be right later on is how I look at it. I'll just increase the odds later, okay? But the point is the door is open for a surprise this year. Again, I'm starting to lean more towards minor, and I do have a special report on my website. I'll probably repost that to make it free. And, uh, and I may later repost this one, make it free, but at the moment for you subscribers, a uh, little update here, a little education, a look at what's going on in temperature precipitation. Go to the NOAA site and look up temperature precipitation for Corn Belt and start putting fluctuations together. They don't present the data the way I like it. I like to put it in a chart, uh, stock charting program. 
uh, but you can also put it in a spreadsheet and modify it that way so you can see these patterns year to year and throughout the decade. I think it's fascinating that something can work 80% and then the 20% is just an extension of that so that we can get to 100% explanation throughout a decade of these fluctuations and then it adds up for a decade, okay? And just think of it, we're ranking these. The worst kind of crop problem, the second worst, the third worst, and the third worst really is just fluctuation. It's, you shouldn't use the worst. It can be, but it, it can just be fluctuation of a half a bushel, a couple bushel. So that's probably meaningless, but you can find that same pattern in price when it might be quite important. And one that could send prices up a buck here this year, even if we had no crop problem. All that would happen is we send it up and we send it back down into harvest. So think of this market as bouncing along here for several years to come. We've probably seen the highest price for the rest of this decade, probably higher still relative to some super cycles that I haven't talked about. And yet, something exciting, could, uh, extremely bullish, could still occur this year, still occur later this decade. We know those windows for it to open up, okay? Now, some people also watch sunspots, and I think there's the sunspots might be rolling over earlier than what scientists thought, and they're agreeing with that. I think a downturn in sunspots over the next few years actually increases the probability of having a crop problem, but I don't know any more than that. I don't take it that seriously. I think it's something very difficult to work with, but I've learned how to take that and plug it in with other data that does the opposite of sunspots and some other data that I think gives us clues of something impacting the earth as well as how the earth works. And this is where I'd love to do far more detailed investigation of jet streams for cyclical patterns, something very long-term um, of where we might be able to forecast. The jet stream will be in a certain position over the corn belt to cause a crop problem three years from now. Nobody really does that. They just look up the jet stream over the next few weeks, okay? And it's interesting, that jet stream, it can be coming right down through the center of the corn belt, but if it moves a little bit to the left or right, you get a great crop, and then the opposite, you get not such a good crop. And it's very, very important. So at any rate, uh, that input of that model called the R model has reactivated. It correctly called the crop problem in 2017, not the exact year. It runs even a wider range. And all it is is just a range of years where you say, well, there ought to be something. And it worked 92% of the time back to 1866. I believe it was 100% accurate back to 1950s uh, when I did not use sunspots. And I included sunspots, but then also took it back to 1866 on yield. And that's when I learned, well, there was a time or two it didn't work, okay? Um, but 92% accurate. But anyways, it's activated saying, yes, we can have a crop problem this year. It's also saying, yes, it might be later in the decade. And you overlap this, these patterns I just gave you. And it still stands out to me this year, 2026, 2027, probably a good crop in 2025. My luck will all be opposite, but that's okay. We'll still find these twists and turns and deal with it. And just keep in mind that kind of forecasting is doesn't have anything to do with what's going on in the growing season. It's giving us a clue what we might get to the growing season. So as always, you have to wait to actually see how the crop's growing and use that information as the most uh, updated real-time data and switch from this kind of modeling. But at least this kind of modeling, these kind of patterns, give us clues what to look out for some years 
And then think in terms for those of you who deal with prices and have to buy and sell and you have to hedge and you have to take care of business. We've got those kind of patterns every three to four years, every five to seven years, every eight to 13 years or nine to 13 years, something like that, okay? And you will get four or five or six of those three to four year patterns to complete the decade pattern. That can help you time it, give you clues because that decade pattern is very difficult. It has a wide range to top and bottom. Most of these patterns have wide ranges. It's because the marketplace is a fuzzy logic system. Apparently nature is too. Apparently people are, which is why the uh, economy side and price side is a fuzzy logic system. If you can't deal with some fuzziness, if you can't deal with getting uh, being wrong sometimes, you might as well go work for someone else. Don't even bother to invest. Hire someone else, okay? But if you can learn to deal with that, you can find out you're making money. And if you think those geniuses are right all the time, you're, you're way, way off the mark. One of the greatest guys that started with nothing and wound up with billions of dollars, okay, um, he actually is, some people were saying who have worked for him, he's only right 30 or 40% of the time. Think about that. How do you make that work? All right, hopefully this has been helpful. Uh, it was just a snowy day here, and I've had some injuries and been to the doctor, and I got to sit around here, and I got thinking, you know, I'm going to do this and add this to that special report I made a couple weeks ago, and hopefully it's some use to you to explaining where we're going, not only for this year, but for the decade, and some of these techniques, technology, whatever you want to call it, that I've come up with, and I'm not the only one. There's other people doing this same thing. I've met them, and I even taught them uh, two decades ago, uh, meeting with some hedge funds and other analysts, and we had a meeting, and we had like 20 people I was speaking to, and there was hundreds of people there, but the talk was later, wow, <laughs> listen, to, listen to what Rich Posen discovered. Well, I was very gratified, humbled, that two hedge fund managers sitting right beside me, didn't even know they were hedge funds, got dumb to my speech, my education, took all these questions, and finally they spoke up and said, we use the same patterns you do. We use Schumpeter analysis of these business cycles of three to four years to a decade and even some super cycles to help us figure out the economy and how we're going to invest. And they said, yes, we trade commodities and we trade the stock market. And I said, thank you for speaking up. Have a great weekend, great day. Thank you. Past results are not necessarily indicative of future results.